Welcome to the Zendurance Now podcast. This podcast is part two of our favorite records. Part one dropped two weeks ago. If you haven't heard it, I highly suggest you go back and listen. Great podcast. However, just know if you're just listening to part two, we're starting off on one of my favorite records, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors. Enjoy. That's a, you, you don't piss off a singer-songwriter. Her voice is so fucking amazing, especially in this time in her life. Fucking wild. I know. I know. And I really wasn't a Fleetwood Mac, Stevie Nicks fan. I'm going to say until. You didn't, like, hang, you didn't hang out with enough gay dudes. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I mean, but like in the last 10 years, I think it started it started growing on me. And it's not that I didn't like it. It's just that. It was like, maybe it was something the radio overplayed. I don't, you know, I don't really know. But, um, but yeah, yeah, Stevie Nicks and, uh, and uh, Lindsey Buckingham broke up. And I also included the song he wrote to her. So he wrote Go Your Own Way back at her after she wrote Dreams. So this is Lindsey Buckingham's Fuck You song to Stevie Nicks that they had to sing together. He got her back. There you go. Um, and I do like, I do like uh, dreams better than go your own way. I think Stevie Nicks did a better job at saying screw you than he did. But you know, that's that's just like my opinion, man. Um, you just got a prettier voice. You think he does? No, she does. Oh, oh. The Nicks voice is phenomenal. Like I said it from the beginning. I was like, that's. Right, but it's but it's the actual lyrics in dreams. They're very um it's just it's a subtle, it's a subtle but solid screw you. His is just right out. That's I don't know, that's how I hear it. So um next is the chain. Here goes. Be my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. Period. That guitar riff is actually just one of my favorites. It's like a sound I hear. It's like the beginning of Layla, and you know what song it is. It's done. You hear that chain riff, and you know exactly, exactly. It's just it's it's like the way that song, vocally, musically, just like it 
ebbs and flows. It comes and yeah. goes. It's fast. It's slow. It's mm-hmm. super harmonic. It's dissonant. Like it, 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 everything in a song that like and it works so well together. I I've heard it covered by I mean numerous yeah. numerous bands. It's wild. It is my For favorite. Sure. I, that might be my favorite Fleetwood Mac song. That's Should cool. anyone care? So so I really like. I mean, um, the song Songbird mm-hmm. on this, the Christy McVie song, who's maybe sitting in the middle of all this may, torture. May she, rest, may she rest in peace. Yeah, I, I think that's a gorgeous song. It is. It was hard for me to pick. It was hard for me to pick three songs on this. There's so many. It's it. it like I said, it blew my mind going through here. I'm like, I just like, oh, and there's this one and this one and this one and this one. And uh, the Fleetwood Mac that I, if you know, follow was the old Fleetwood Mac, you know, the Peter Green Fleetwood Mac, you know, back from the era of the albums that I was picking. So it's um, this, you know, this stuff I associate with, you know, more mid late 70s, I guess, early 80s. And, you know, it's. um and again, some of it is, is for me personally, is just having heard it a lot on the radio. So it's yeah. not necessarily, but it doesn't take away from the talent that's behind this. And um, they're all amazing songwriters. And and it's cool, Mick Fleetwood driving everything. I think he has a lot to do with the harmonics in the songs, yeah. you know, with the drums driving away. I mean, he's a masterful percussionist and it's just i there is like there's an energy to this album and from from what i understand it you know lindsey buckingham was it was and is obsessive with his music and with album production um that's you know it it can make or break an album you know in an album like tusk there's some amazing songs but boy are there some doozies like some absolute flops and he just gets so deep in it that it's it's a sound yeah we've and I've and I've seen Lindsey Buckingham solo a couple times as well. Um, he's um, he's quite a talent. I wish I could have seen them all in concert. Isn't uh, Stevie Nicks is still touring, isn't she? Yeah, and and um, and Fleetwood Mac recently toured, but they kicked. Um, you know, they weren't going to tour with Lindsey Buckingham. So to me, it to me it wasn't the same. You know, like, yeah, 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 she still tours and and just even watching her, her stage presence has so has just such an incredible confidence um, that, um, yeah, she's she's a powerhouse. She is. She Mm -hmm. is. What's next, Megan? Ready for the next? Okay. Um, Also. Also a Megan Little Kid album. Okay. Um, we're going with um, Paul Simon's Graceland. Now, the first song that I picked out um, is uh, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. And and I have to, I'm going to give a little bit of, of Megan background here. Um, so I, I have always obsessed over music 
even when I was a kid. Um, you know, I, I play a number of instruments. Um, I can sing, you know, I can read music. I can write music. You know, I did this all through my childhood, but I would obsess over music. And there wasn't really anybody in my life. I mean, my parents had really good music and half the stuff, actually more than that. I had a, I had a record player and I want to say, I didn't really have any money to go buy records as a little kid. So 90% of what I listened to was their stuff. Um, when I got this tape, cause it was a cassette as a cassette tape, um, I was absolutely floored by the sound because again, it was something that I'd never heard. And again, I'm obsessing over this. We didn't have the internet back then. Um, and a friend of the family, um, Michael Purcell, who was the one that yelled at my father, go back to Marshall Collins episode. I don't know. It's, I don't know. At the beginning, I want to say maybe 10 episodes in, but anyway, my dad talked about this when he was on the pod, but, um, Michael was the one who yelled at my dad, not another running story. So that's kind of where the title from, for this uh, podcast comes from. But anyway, so I was babysitting, um, for Michael Purcell and his wife, and he would come pick me up and he would listen to this album with me. We would sit in the driveway and listen to the album. We'd listen to every single song. We'd break it apart. We'd break apart the vocals. We had it open. We'd look at the lyrics. So I'm probably, I wasn't driving. So let's say I was like 14 or 15 years old. I'd have have to do the math, but it was really nice to be able to have somebody else. I didn't know other people obsessed about music like I did because I just never had anybody like that in my life. So this album and the sounds in this album um, really, really stuck with me in a very, very special way. So um, Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes is the first song that I'm playing. Um, and let me just let me just play the song. She's a rich girl, she don't try to hide it Diamonds on the soles of her shoes He's a poor boy, empty as a pocket Empty as a pocket with nothing to lose Sing ta-na-na, ta-na-na-na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes Ta-na-na, ta-na-na She got diamonds on the soles of her shoes She's crazy, she got diamonds on the soles of her shoes Well, that's one way to lose these walking blues Diamonds on the soles of your shoes She was physically forgotten But then she slipped into my pocket with my car keys She said, you've taken me for granted Because I please you Wearing these diamonds And I can say, ooh, 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 ooh,
I'm talking about As if everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about I'm talking about diamonds on the soles of a shoe for his ordinary shoes And she said, honey, take me dancing But they ended up by sleeping in a doorway By the bodegas and the lights on over Broadway Wearing diamonds on the soles of their shoes And I could say, Everybody here would know exactly what I was talking about I'm talking about album, as you can hear, has a ton of um, African sounds. And what Paul Simon did, and some people loved it, and some people hated it, but this album came out in 1986. So he traveled um, 
down to South Africa, um, engaged with a number of these singers. Singers, There's Lady Smith, Black Mombazo. She became a favorite of mine. Um, really just went in deep with these musicians. And that's where all of these really, really, really cool sounds come from. Also, Linda Ronstadt was on this album. There's a number number of people, but what if if anybody recalls, this is when apartheid um, was still going down in South Africa. Um, so when he produced this album, he, again, as a as a kid and as somebody who was enjoying this music, I thought it was really great because I'd never heard African music. We didn't have the internet. We didn't, they're not selling, they're not selling like African music down at the strawberries when I went to go buy my tapes, right? And I got to hear all of these great music sounds. However, he was really criticized because um, he made this album, you know, <laughs> with a number of South African artists, a lot of it in South Africa, and um, apartheid was still going on. So that was a big no-no. You weren't supposed to be doing business well, with there, South Africa. There was a boycott, yeah. And there was, he was probably against the grain with that. But at the same time, he's bringing all this music to the rest of the world. So it's kind of crazy, the thinking in it. Yeah, in, in this song, this song is about um, the women who worked in the diamond mine. Um, well, I mean, there were men that worked there too, but you know, specifically the women, what they would do is they would steal diamonds and sew them into the soles of their shoes. They were very poor, had no other way of, <laughs> you know, of really making ends meet. And, you know, had they been caught with these diamonds, they would have been killed because um, it's basically like slave labor. Um, so they, so that's what this song is about, just trying to make ends meet by sewing diamonds into the soles of your shoes. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so boy. And this, I have to say, this is another favorite album to listen to when I'm running because I just love the beats. Everything is everything is pretty quick. So especially like a tempo run or something like that keeps me moving. Um, next, um, I have uh, Crazy Love. She says she knows about jokes this time, the joke is on me. Well, I have no opinion about that, and I have no opinion about me. Somebody could walk into this room and say your life is on fire. It's all over the evenings All about the fire in your life on the evening news I don't want no part of this crazy love I don't want no part of your love I don't want no part of this crazy love I don't want no I love this album too I mean it was it, it's, it's so interesting to hear You know where it hits us at different points in our lives yeah like, i have a few years on you i guess but uh but yeah this pushed me i can't remember if it was this album or if i was already listening to some african artists and stuff um but it, it definitely and peter going back to peter gabriel peter gabriel used a lot of west african musicians use and doer mm -hmm. Uh, most famously, but yeah, Ladysmith, Black Mombazo, and there's a bunch album, of other album too. He's on. Okay. Oh goodness, because uh, I didn't know that. Um, 
hold, yeah, he's on, yeah, he plays percussion on five songs on this album. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, just to be exposed to that and the different, the different rhythms and everything behind it, it's, it's pretty mm -hmm. cool. I, I love this album. Yeah. And like, like I said, it was the first time that I ever, like, you know, my dad would talk about his music and, you know, and he, he liked who he liked and same thing with my mom, but you know, Michael, Michael was the first one that sat with me and lit, like, we just sit in the car. I mean, his wife's waiting for me to come in and babysit, you know, and, uh, but we, you know, we'd be like, hold on, hold on. And then, you know, all of these beats, we would actually like scream and yell them. We'd sing in the car. So really good, really good, solid childhood memories. And I can't listen to this album without thinking of him. So, um, cool. yeah. So my last song is Graceland. And I was really struggling as to whether to play Graceland as the full length song or Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes. I ultimately chose Diamonds on the Soles of Her Shoes for the full length because I just liked the beats. There's a, there's a more diverse group of beats, but in Graceland, the lyrics, um, just touch me. I think they're, they're really, they're very sweet lyrics. So here goes. She comes back to tell me she's gone. As if I didn't know that, as if I didn't know my own bed. As if I'd never noticed way she brushed her hair from her forehead And she said losing love is like a window in your heart Everybody sees you're blown apart Everybody sees the window Those lyrics that I played, I... She comes back to tell me she's gone, as if I didn't know that, as if I didn't know my own bed, as if I never noticed the way she brushed her hair from her forehead. And she said, losing love is like a window in your heart. Everybody sees you're blown apart. Everybody sees the wind blow. Like, oh my God. Like that, he articulated heartache in, in a way that like almost makes me choked up to even hear it. That's, hits me. So, yeah, that's why I picked that particular verse. All right, Sean, you've been you've been a tad bit quiet. Oh, dude, it's just. Well, there's no Chevy Chase, so my childhood is is you can call me out. Well, they, they, yeah, that's part of this. But again, yeah. mainstream. I tried to avoid I tried to avoid the mainstream. I tried to play the things that maybe people didn't know. I mean, that's that's what it is to me. I, I don't know. Paul Simon, like. I, I like it's okay. I I I'd rather listen to Simon and Garfunkel together. That verse though, doesn't it just choke you up? Oh my god! All right, you and I, Sean. Next time we're together in a car, we are going to listen to this album, and we're going to do the whoop whoops. We're going to do all the African beats. We're going to sing this out loud, and I'm telling you, I can whoop whoop you into liking this. And if you don't know what I mean by the whoop whoops, you got to listen to the album because there's. I a did lot of listen to the whole album. No, no, I not like not you, like our listeners. You know we have people that actually listen to this podcast. No. She's going to put the child locks on, too, so that you can't get out, Sean. <laughs> Dude, I like I said, it's I. to me, Megan's other choice that didn't get here that should be an honorable mention was a better, to me, is a better album. I enjoy it. But that's, that's me. But I think that, you know, when we were choosing these albums, 
we, and Sean, I think you, when you and I recorded yesterday, we talked about this um, briefly, but Sam, what Sean said was that these aren't necessarily what we're saying are the top three albums, music production wise, you know, um, the way the music hit of all times. These are our favorite top three albums and knowing the three. At this moment. Yeah, at this moment. Yeah, exactly. And I thought Sean made a very good point. At this moment, these are our these are what we identify as our top three. Now, if we did this podcast a year from now, um, it would be interesting to see what our choices are. So Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, I it, and I I am not I am not an Elvis Presley fan. I mean, I don't really dislike him. I just never I never liked him, but this album makes me want this Paul Simon album makes me want to go to Graceland. Memphis, Tennessee. I'm going to Graceland. Four boys and pilgrims. Just makes me want to. I love uh, Paul Simon. Is like you say, is an amazing songwriter, and yeah. I think this is a great album. So, and, and then there's rhythms, rhythms of the rhythm saints, of the, or whatever. I was gonna say, yeah. yeah, which you know, where he did all South African with South African artists. So, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah, the the percussion on Rhythm of the Saints only gets better. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> Shawnee, Shawnee, Shawnee. That's me. That's who Let's I am. go, brother. Let's go. All right. Fucking so. <laughs> to Fuck me. It. Fucking so. <laughs> this is the greatest rock album of all time, period. Like, fuck it. Oh, dude. I, people talk about how Nirvana, like, broke rock, rock and roll. And I think this is the album that broke rock and roll. This is, to me, like, the where, where, rock died there's just no other album that is more and i mean when i say rock and roll i mean more rock and roll than this album i'm not saying like the attitude the the look the feel the sound it it's just all encompassed in this like the the trash the fucking like the mess everything that it is is to me is in this album so our first track off this album is fucking awesome. Night Train. Love that stuff.
to me, there is nothing like that. That song is so fucking LA. Like that is what I picture as like the epitome of rock and roll at that time, right? Okay. I mean, the so- lyrics where he plays like Nine Lives of a Cat," "Doggy Dog Smile," like "Night Train Has the Drink" has like on a fucking like his like lyrical wordplay is. I mean, for 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 a fucking a guy that you wouldn't think twice about probably is like being well, he brilliant. Was, he was also like in Fort Hood. You know, he was in the army. He was kind of like an army dropout. You know, I so um, yeah. I have a. See, this is this is UConn to me. So this is this is me. This is me in college. And I had a roommate um, that also loved this album and Guns N' Roses like I did. And we would listen to this. And every time I hear I smoke my cigarette with style, she smoked. So every time that line came on, we'd all look at her and and she'd have her cigarette and go. I so I think of Christine every time, every time I hear that song, and I can't, yeah, I can't unsee, I can't unsee her doing that. And actually, many years ago, we were chatting, uh, you know, over text or something, and I had mentioned that, and she said she she quit smoking, and I was like, well, it's a good good decision, good health decision, <laughs> good, good. You, but um, smoke my cigarette style. All right. Yeah. God damn, that's a, that's such a good track. Oh fuck, Rad. Yeah. All right. What you got next, man? I think up next we got the the porno singer. Yeah. Um, with with Rocket Queen coming in. So, oh god! So that's a great fucking track. So, yeah, it is. The album was two sides. The sides were right, and it was tapes because, like, Megan was talking about, like, pulling out the tape and having the lyrics. Although and, I did CD to that, I was right on the verge. Like at UConn, when I was at UConn, CDs were just starting, but I had originally bought it in tape form. So this came out in '85, I think. Oh, no, it, so, it wasn't '85. Was it? Look it up. Okay, then okay, because we were uh, we were listening to this in no 1987. So, uh, sorry, and I wasn't I wasn't at UConn until mid 90s. So we were like, okay, that's why I was thinking it was later. But okay, I'm with you. Sorry. Uh, But anyways, the um, the first track or the first side was the G side, which was the gun side, and the flip side of the tape was the R side, which is the rose side. So all the side one. Um, songs are all like the aggressive like rock like Welcome to the Jungle um, and that like um, Mr. Brownstone and, oh, and then on the back side is like Sweet Child of Mine, My Michelle Rocket Queen and all the like the, the ballad-esque songs of this there's not a ballad on the song but the, the, the woman songs as they would like the songs about women 
and Rocket Queen has like that whole section in there where they recorded like a porn star um, coming to orgasm. It's like it's just it's just a it's it's so like I said to me it so fucking feels like L.A. and like that whole rock and roll scene and and what it really like boiled down to in that mid eighties time frame. And and I did see I did see them in concert mid nineties. It was awesome. Yeah, I never got to see. Well, I mean, I could go see him now, but it just that doesn't feel right. I have stories I cannot tell on this podcast, but I'll be happy to tell you. <laughs> I mean, it was it was a it was epic. Uh, we're gonna bring it home with uh, the the I guess it'd probably be the epitome of what people think of with this album, and it has, but it does have fucking Slash's guitar, and it's so fucking phenomenal. You can't you can't exclude it because the guitar is just excellent. We don't even get to the good part of the guitar, but God fucking Slash's guitar on that is phenomenal. It is to me when you think of like Slash, I think of that the guitar that exists in that, the intro, the solo that exists in that. The same is like with like when he plays in November Rain, the guitar solo over like is both of those are what I think of when I like think of Slash as a guitarist. Um this is this is my least favorite. Well, no, this is my second least favorite song on the album, um, and it's really sweet child of mine has just been so radio played that it got it got ruined. Um, I mean, and it's it's this is a great song. I mean, the song is literally poetry. I mean, it, it's very sweet. I on this album, I cannot stand Paradise City. I skip that song every time. I've always hated it. Um, but yes, yeah, sweet child of mine just again overplayed overplayed commercialized i will listen to this album start to finish over and over again without 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 a second thought the um i just everything about it is is great the um axel's voice right back back when he had the range that he had he could sing deep and low and then sing it as what would be like kind of his normal normal tone and then go super high and he used to talk about how he had three different personalities and they would all come out in his singing. And that's like where those different like voices and stuff came in. I mean, let's you have skipped the, the big picture. He was hot. He was really, (laughs) really hot. I mean, and he's had a lot of plastic surgery now. He is unrecognizable. And it's like now I'm not saying that about now, but Axl Rose, when I saw him in concert, my God. Um, and he's running up and down the stage. And remember those little gold shorts he had on? With the American flag that he would wear. Oh God, yeah. I mean, some of the stuff some of the stuff that Guns N' Roses did as I mean, as a whole as a band in that time frame, just like the lyrics that exist that they've written, I don't I don't think 
you could put them out like today. It would just, I mean, they gotten so much shit back in the day before the internet existed, before you could cancel people. Oh, just, it's, it's, to me, it's fucking wild. Sam has been super quiet on this album. This is <laughs> definitely not one of it's okay. It's like we're really okay with sexuality in all forms as long as it's consensual. But you really, it's okay if you admit that you thought that Axl Rose in those little shorts, man, is, is <laughs> it's okay. You can say it. It's it's okay. We, you know, it's you gotta you gotta own it. I think that's not what I, I was thinking about. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. You know, it's uh, for me. Like you say, it came out in mid to late '80s. I mean, I was completely immersed in the Grateful Dead. So, like, this is like the antithesis me to too. what me I too. was I was listening to. Yeah. And um, I do. I mean, I love some of Slash's guitar stuff. I can't stand Axel's voice, and that for me, it's just like you know. I think there's certain voices appeal to certain people, and I just it. That's what is the biggest. You know, for me is. Were you able to listen to the album? Yeah, I listened to the whole thing. I love yeah. that song, Mr. Brownstone. It's a good and, one. Uh, little, little heroin song. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, these guys were all, you know. Yeah. Dude, I love. They had the full L.A. scene. I like how you set it up because they absolutely, that, you know, that just makes more sense to me is, you know, they, they, were, they were just of this scene, you know. They were a scene, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's like, that's like the drums, the, the drums and think about you. You didn't put think about you on there. Yeah. Well, I'm a, I'm a guitar guy. If you played like the first, you know, 10 seconds of, of think about you, I'm like, boom, I know exactly what it is. Just so good. Those were the days. Those, I mean, so that like mid nineties for yeah. me, that was a time. Let's put it that way. That was, that was, that was a time. <laughs> This was, yeah, Guns, this album was one of the first albums I owned. I mean, yeah, that's... that's Really? Yeah, I remember... You're only so, a couple years younger than me. This was your first album that you one owned? Of, one of them, yeah. Wait, did you get it in 86 when it came out? Or did you... when? Uh, yeah, I got well. I got eighty-seven. Yeah, when it came out, I was like, yeah, I was, okay, I was, right. I was okay. seven years old, Megan. Okay, all right. That makes. Well, I was thinking. It's a pretty aggressive it's, album for a seven-year-old. Yeah, it is. It's <laughs> for me though, so that's why I'm thinking like you didn't get your and I and I was in UConn, so that's the time frame that this is in. But Sam, um, my brother introduced me to the Grateful Dead on vacation, like because, and I remember like because we'd change like who could listen to what, we'd take turns and we'd listen to the Grateful Dead with my brother's stuff. And I really, like it really grew on me. And then my roommate in college also listened to the Grateful Dead. So Grateful Dead, Guns N' Roses, Pearl Jam, U2, um, you know, this was Octung Baby. This was, this was the time period, you know, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, for me, it was, I was, you know, I was 50 Grateful Dead shows in, you know, and I was like in the culture and it was, you know, I was listening to them, the band, Little Feet and um, and maybe just starting to get into singer songwriters, you know, like, well, Graceland has got to be from around this time, too. And, uh, you know, yeah. uh, Steve Earle and Joe Ely and, you know, that's. That was mid to late 80s for me. So it was very, to me, far away from 
um, you know, um, this scene. So it just, the closest analogy for me that comes is like, I was really into Aerosmith when they first started in like the early seventies. And this band reminds me a lot of them just, um, in some ways, you know, so it, uh, but that was kind of of a time for me, you know? And so anyways, just, I really dig the next album though. I find this amazing that you really dig this album. I love it. I love it. I mean, I was, uh, and I can, I can I, get into why. I, I can, I can, I can tell why. I can actually probably guess kind of why. So fucking the next album is, this is like where my punk rock roots come from, right? This is like, um, and it's, to be fair, some people consider it like a kind of a pop punk album. And it really was what one of the albums that, that um, became very mainstream as far as punk albums go and like kind of like the third wave of punk. And it's, it's Rancid and Out Come the Wolves. There's, I mean, there's like 20 fucking tracks on it. They're all like two, three minutes long, hard hitting fucking tracks. Um, we're going to kick it off with the most, probably the most popular track off of it, arguably at least the, the most two of the two most popular tracks off of it. And uh, we'll listen to a little Ruby Soho. Get a little, little, get a little reggae going. Records a reggae. Coming through my bedroom How a party up next door, but I'm sitting here all alone. Two lovers in the bedroom, and the other starts to shine. My heart is just blank Rance's first album, but a lot of what Tim Armstrong writes about on this album 
is his time with Operation Ivy. Operation Ivy in the the realm of ska punk um, was kind of like the first band to do it. This this kind of there's a lot of stories in it that, that like kind of go like into it. Like he sees his name on the marquee, she'll never understand. There he is leaving with she's got a tear in her eye. Like to talk about like going on tour with like your buddies, like to try and like make something and like you're leaving your girl behind, you know, um, the combination of that, that South Bay, South San Francisco scene where it's like the Oakland scene where there's like a lot of punk and, and right. Like you go from, you know, Sam's era of the hate Ashbury into this more like South Bay punk scene, which was huge in this time frame, like no effects, green day, um, rancid all kind of came out of that same area. I mean, drastically different sound, but there's like in this, in this album, there's ska, there's punk, there's reggae. There's, there's a whole bunch of mixing and that comes in it and it, and it kind of all kind of comes out. I mean, you know, Tim Armstrong plays a freaking big steel body freaking guitar. He doesn't play like a freaking Fender Stratocaster or anything crazy like that. Like it's just like a big steel body guitar that he jumps around on. Um, everything's very simple, cut aggressive, um, but with different, different mixes in there. There's some harpsichord in there. There's, I mean, it's, it's just a, I don't know. It's a cool album. I can get into more of the album as we get go on. What's next? Ah, uh, fuck shit. What is next? Um, it is not junkie man is next. Should junkie I? man is next. Yeah. And for you, Mr. Sean. Yeah, let's let's hear a little Jim Carroll. The corner man doesn't suffer pain like this. Only the sword and his never been kissed. Let us adore our beautiful sword. He's riding on the rivers of Babylon. Oh, better I should have a pig on the brightness. See the sword at corners falling up and I see I like this. The corner eyes are learning to the misery. I show it when you're brought up. You're caught up in a system that is going. Is that from a Jim Carroll song? So it's uh, not poets. So Jim, the, no. the the verse in there where he goes, and out come the wolves, the pile scrambling, strolling the alphabet. I stand on my head. I watch it all go away. That Jim Carroll wrote in the studio for them. So as the story goes, the um, Jim Carroll was in the studio doing some recording and Rancid was there. <laughs> They're like, Hey, do you want to write something for us? And he's like, do you guys want to give me some albums so I can sell them? And they're like, yeah, we'll give you some albums, like whatever. And uh, so he wrote that, like that poetry verse that's in this song, took the albums and took off. And that's like, <laughs> and that's where the title of the album came from. Um, Jim Carroll, for those that don't know, the Basketball Diaries is probably his most popular work, which is, he was a recovery, well, he was, he was a, a New York City Irish kid that like grew up as a kind of a basketball was going to be a basketball prodigy in that area. Um, and then kind of got mixed up with a whole bunch of drugs and, uh, got his shit together and fucking kind of became a, a, I guess an underground legendary poet writer person. Yeah. Yeah. Musician. People are dead. Great, great song. Um, yeah. 
And then I think we're going to bring it home with uh, with Roots and Radicals. Yeah, so, dude, I saw Rancid not too long ago, and they're still so fucking awesome. Um, this is, sh- like, that whole, the way that song feels, what? What Ooh, year what? did this album come out? 95. 95, okay, all right. Yeah, so I grew up, uh, this was, like, when I was going to shows and, like, hitchhiking from one town to get into, like, so Northampton's kind of was the epicenter of um the hardcore and punk scene in our area it's the it's the consensus college town in that area and there was a club that we used to go to pearl street and bands yeah bands but it's not it's not the same the bands would play like coming from new york to boston it was like the middle point of that and they would they would go and they'd throw shows and i mean the stage was it's an old hardcore stage. It's like, a, you know, a foot off the ground, foot and a half off the ground. You could get up on the stage. Um, you know, you're punching, punching people in the face. People are kicking. Oh, God. Um, and that's that's what I grew up in and talking about, like, where do you go when you're only 15? And that's like, that's all what it was about. You know, um, you know, a lot of bands in this genre talk about the community that you feel in the like in Megan's land of misfit toys. Like that's like where it is. And that's like a lot of that comes through. And I think what they, they talk about on this album. Um, now, I mean, all of these tracks that I picked were, um, Tim Armstrong sung tracks, but, uh, Lars Fredrickson actually sings a lot of, a lot of tracks on there and his stuff is phenomenal. Um, he, dude, so the band Rancid was almost um, Tim Armstrong, Matt Freeman, um, and I forget who the Richard Trummer is, and uh, Billy Joe Armstrong, who's the lead singer from Green Day. But he had, Lars was originally asked, Lars didn't want to do it. They asked Billy Joe. Billy Joe decided he was going to stay with Green Day and, and sing with them. And then Lars was like, no, I'll do it. Like after like Billy Joe turned it down the second time and they became the band they are and green day became the band that they are i guess and all is all is well in the world so i don't know what do you guys all think of this album i you know i haven't listened to very much of rancid and when i was the first time i listened to this album i'm like eh, you know kind of all sounds alike and it was sort of like it was like background but then you know i listened to it a little bit more and now i can hear the difference and when i start when I turn it on, I find myself vibing to the songs now. Like I can hear it. It took me, it took me a couple, couple listens to be able to start to get into it, but I never really didn't. It's not like I didn't listen to them for a reason. I don't, you know, I didn't like or dislike them. I just haven't listened to much of them. So I think, you know, I could definitely, I could definitely see myself listening to this like on a run or a hike or something as good energy. Just and, 
See, I, I dig this. I mean, I remember, you know, Time Bomb was everywhere when it came out. But I'm like, you know, there are a couple other songs on here. I'm like, oh, this is, you know, it was just um, that I had heard, too. And um, it just brings me back. Like, I like I think I've told you, Sean, like I was big into Fishbone for a while, mm-hmm. who like a ska punk band. Yep. Um, there was this band, Bim Scala Bim, which is out of mm-hmm. Boston at the time. And I was into them. And um, and the, you know, the like some of the, like, you know, this goes farther back. But I always loved The Clash mm. and The Pogues. And so I've got some punky roots in there, you know, and then. Although the mosh pit scene, you know, I was never going to do that. The first time I saw that was at a Red Hot Chili Peppers show in 91, I think. And uh, I was like, nope, not me, you know, but I get, you know, I get it. It's but Sam, in, in all seriousness, I think you just might have been old enough to be smart enough to know that that's really freaking stupid. And well, where oh, is I still, where, I still but, do this. But people, well, I mean, people love it. And it's, it's a, a big, you know, it's a bonding thing, you know, it and it's, and it's, maybe it's a real male thing. I don't know. Or whatever I it is. <laughs> I but, <did> it. <laughs> but, but, you know, I, I, I had a, a guy I worked with in the eighties who was doing that stuff. And, you know, he would come in with the okay. shit beat out of him, yeah. you know, but he was like, wouldn't have it any other way. And, um, I don't know. I just, these guys have great energy. They're also, if you, to me, if, if you dig, like you listen a little deeply, they're actually pretty good musicians too, Yeah. you know, and uh, like the, their drummer and their bass player are really tight and just really good. So anyways, it was, it was a great surprise for me to sort of pick this up and give it a listen. It was great. Yeah. And like, like you said, there's in that album, there's, there's ska roots, there's, Punk. I mean, there's there's callbacks to the Clash. There's callbacks to like reggae. Like it's just there's there's a lot in it. I mean, yep. it's not just three chords and some screaming. Yep. Oh. Cool. Yeah, one of my favorite all time albums. All right, ready ready to transition to the final <laughs> album. Which, like, chill, chill. We're going to is, the other end of the spectrum album. now. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring it, we'll bring it out that. So, right, we've gone, we've gone like Sean '80s, fucking hair band rock epitome of what he considers rock to punk Sean, to Sean was smoking too much pot. Um, so, I, to be fair, Pink Floyd's "Wish You Were Here" is the album we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna close on. Um, was not. One of my initial Pink Floyd, I was like, so I think everyone has Dark Side on there. Um, Dark Side, I think, is probably the, it's a great album. I think it's probably the most overrated album, not a bad album. And it is a great album, I, but I think it's the most overrated. Um, the Wall is an awesome, and it was also one of the first albums I've ever owned. Um, Pink Floyd's The Wall. Another another dense type when album. Did the wall come out. Do you remember seventy nine? Seventy nine. My freshman okay. year, freshman year of college. I know okay. we we played that endlessly. Okay. Yeah. I I just remember watching the movie in yep. high school, and the movie was one of those things that because you know I was the way I was back then. Um, I must have seen that movie like 
a zillion times. <laughs> it's because, you know. Well, yeah, because it's very defiant, but right? He, um, he can't have any pudding. How can you have any pudding if you don't eat your meat? The no. but Wish You Were, wish you were album. Here was, I think, one of the first albums without Sid. I think it's the most cohesive album. Like, start to finish, it has a purpose. It tells one singular story of, like, genius, rock band, losing genius. Like, that's like the, like the whole story is, like, how it all evolved and came up, well, to a certain extent, came apart for one person. Um, and so we'll start off with the, the, the sad song. All right, Wish You Were Here is, um, I'm going to play this track in entirety. So what, what I think about when I hear this song, anybody that knows how to play guitar, I think this is like one of the first songs that everybody learns, right? Did you learn this? Yeah. Did you learn the song? Yeah. It's just when you first start playing, this is the go-to song. Well, cause yeah. it's an acoustic song, right? That sounds good it's, it's, by playing mean, without anything. It's, it's, it's beautiful. That, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous song. I don't know. Like it's, yeah. Um, I'm jumping ahead, but I think I said this to you. I might have texted it to you. I know that they always have like planetarium shows. They have Pink Floyd laser mm-hmm. lights. Yeah. And it, I never have been to one. And, but hearing this album, I now understand why they have Pink Floyd laser light shows. <laughs> this album is the epitome of something you would go see in a planetarium and watch the lasers. Yeah, I love, dude, I love this album as a whole. Um, I know Wish You Were Here is probably the most played out song on here, but dude, I think it's, I just, like I said, I think it's a beautiful song. It's, it's a, I like your next one a lot. It's a, it's a, I think it's the way, you know, kind of the band was grieving for, for Sid and that Mm -hmm. kind of becomes apparent in this. Yeah. Okay. So unless Sam has anything to add, we can, we can, Pivot to the machine. Go for it. that song right like like i said the concept of the album um about 
you know, becoming a part of the rock industry. And it, it's so, I don't, I wonder, and I wasn't alive in that time frame. So it's, it seems weird to me that like, I think coming out of, right. Like you look at forties, fifties rock, or I guess really fifties, fifties rock into that like time frame where, um, Elvis, and it was like all singles based. And then the Beatles started to like make albums as a whole. And that kind of became a, a different thing. And then it seemed to me from, you know, looking back at it, it's like at that point that like record industries were like, Oh, this is like, we're going to take everything and, and start to churn it up and make these albums. And they took artists that like had followings and like, tried to corporatize them and kind of break it down in the seventies time frame, which is like when this, this kind of changed and became an album, but you know, who would be able to speak really well to that? One, well, Mr. Sam Farnsworth. Oh, I'm man. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that that started in the late sixties with, you know, when, I mean, just all the kids, you know, with after Monterey pop festival in 67 and all of a sudden they looked around and they're like, Oh shit, we can sell a lot of albums here. We can make a lot of money. And so, you know, that's, I mean, some of this discontent <clears throat> with the record in with the record industry. And, you know, if you look back in history, they were screwing all the black musicians as far back into the fifties, you know, in terms of royalties and things. Um, so, you know, it's been a money-making machine for a long time. And I, but I think, the musicians themselves were realizing that or in the early seventies for sure. And, you know, I mean, uh, I don't take this away from, but, you know, Roger Waters is one of the, the, he's like a classic crank, you know, if there's something that, you know, he'll let you know what's wrong with the world and what's pissing him off. And, you know, he's, he's kind of a dark soul. So, you know, he's at the, he's at the heart of the lyrics of a lot of this stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing, right? Roger Waters, like, directionally drove this album the way it was. Um, yeah. And you can, I mean, you you get his his fingerprints are all over it, right? Like, the, and that tension between him and Gilmore on a regular, like, musically and lyrically. And, and then I guess, I guess, Megan, do you have anything to add before we close it off with our final song here? Because, I mean, we can just no. we can go into, we can go into Shine On. guitar that like you that shit that, interpretive dance but that shit that fills a fucking stadium single notes that can like fill a fucking stadium and you can feel in your soul and that's the way yeah. the guitar on that is it's it's wild mm -hmm. just it's not it's not fucking it's just single notes bang, 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 bang. Like, yeah but it's it's soulful i mean Dave, david gilmore is he's a he's an unbelievable guitarist unbelievable yeah. guitarist it's i mean this so i saw them in 1977 
on their animals tour. So they came out and they played their first set and they played all of animals, which was phenomenal. Then they came out for a second set and they played all of wish you were here. And then they finished with three or four songs from, uh, dark side of the moon. And it was, you know, it was absolutely the best concert I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely. And of course, I was 17 years old and, you know, waiting to be blown away. But, you know, it was it was phenomenal. And um, yeah, these this album, I haven't listened to this album in a lot. I listen to Animals, some tracks from that when I'm running and stuff. And I haven't busted this out. But I all through high school and college and stuff, this is I mean, it's such an amazing album. It's really pretty cool for Sean, though. I got to say, I wouldn't have expected this album. I like, I agree with it, but I, I don't know. I would have, I think I would have expected you to pick something else. But but you go back to what he said in the beginning. It's nice and clean and yeah. crisp and yep. well made, and yep. um, yeah, it's 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 concise, really, really amazing. Yeah, like to like I said, to me that is it's a pity like. Like Dark Side of the Mood is, dude. Like I, I know, is a great fucking album. But if you like took money off of it, it'd be the best album ever. Yeah, and it's not even. Yeah, and I, don't <laughs> even, I, I find it. It's a great album. It's so overplayed to me. Yeah. And it, and it's. I find it almost boring to listen to Dark Side of the Moon now. I, I love, Animals. Wish You Were Here and The Wall. I mean, yeah. I, I think those are. Amazing albums. Yeah. I concur. Good choice. Yes. Great job. So, so Megan. Yes, dear. We have we have an announcement to make about a hiatus. Yes. Yeah. Why don't you uh, Why don't you fill everybody in? All right. So, um, I guess looking looking forward, um, we're gonna take pretty much I, by the time this drops it'll be past holidays but we're going to take the holidays off not really worried about recording um and pick up i think our we decided we'll have about a month and a half break and we'll pick back up in middle of february our next drop mm-hmm. um so yeah. sam sam can relax he doesn't have to be dragged on the podcast anytime soon i think we'll come back with some some more sam some more um stories from the mid pack um some updates on you know how me and Megan are doing and how our life's doing and maybe there'll be some more more trail running more ultra running news maybe some more ultra endurance stuff I mean who knows maybe maybe we won't be back maybe you know tragedy will strike and we'll be stranded in 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 the Himalayas and we need we need everyone's support like follow leave a review we also have a a new YouTube station so the thing about the YouTube station is that we are putting the videos of our podcast on unedited. So you really just get to hear all the goofy stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Uh, we, I, I don't edit much out, but I do edit some out. Um, so yes, we got the YouTube. We're going to have some giveaways. Um, you know, <laughs> 
clearly Sean and I started this podcast, you know, we'd never done a podcast. I bet you can't tell. Um, but we didn't know you're supposed to have seasons in a podcast. <laughs> so, so this will close out this, you know, this will close out season one and, um, two and, years later. Yeah. You just thought you just keep going. I mean, perfect timing. Right. Yeah. yeah. Who knows? <laughs> but everyone's support, um, is, has been super appreciated. Um, if there are things that you want us to talk about, you want more of something, um, let us know, you know, shoot at all three of us. You can just shoot us an email, Sam will, Sam will send it on, but yeah, let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. And, um, but you know, we're all genuinely ourselves. That's pretty clear. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're doing okay. So this will be the yeah. end, end of season one. All right. <laughs> Our, our outtake song, as I mentioned, um, is Shine On, You Crazy Diamond.
we need our listeners to follow our podcast. You are our resident tech expert. Could you please describe what you need people to do? How do we do this? How do you how do you follow a podcast? Well, it depends on what format you're on, but on most formats, there is usually a three dot circle or some other indication, and there will pop a drop out drop down from that um, three dot circle, and in that drop down, will give you the option to follow the podcast. You can also in whatever app you're using. Go to your settings and set to notify, and you can be notified of any new podcast you're following, especially ours, which is the most important. Absolutely. And that'll show up that show up on your phone all the time, man. You'll have more notifications. Boom. And you'll get one from us every two weeks. Because why, Megan? We post every two weeks. That's what we do. That's what we do. The when our listeners follow our podcast, it really helps with our ratings and it helps how we appear um, when people are searching for podcasts. So please, as a favor to us, me and Sean, Sean and me, please. Also, if you're so inclined and you really like us and you want to leave us the best review ever, that does wonders. But what we really need you to do is follow. The review stuff is just sprinkles, sprinkles on a Sunday. Right, John? Sprinkles on a Sunday. What about the cherry? What counts as the cherry? Okay, the cherry would be if you want to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. So just look up Zendurance now. You can like us, follow us, comment, message us. And you can always check out our website, which is zendurancenow.com. All right, awesome. Hope to see thanks, you there. Thanks, John. Thanks for the, thanks for the tech advice. <laughs>